0: Okay, so um, what we're looking at today is uh, what's Grudem's systematic theology. He has about thirty pages that deals with this subject of angels and demons and Satan, and uh, and then your your book, uh, Christian Beliefs. Uh, he takes a few few minutes and or a few pages so on pages fifty three through fifty seven. That's all that he attributes to this section, and then uh, the systematic theology is three ninety seven to four thirty six. We've given you a pretty uh, a detailed outline. Walking over here, Kathy said, "I might as well just give them the whole lecture. I mean, this thing is full. I mean, we've got all kinds of notes and uh, points and subpoints, and then we've got scripture references for you, and then we'll have it on the on the PowerPoint uh, as well." You know, I y'all know I love music. I love songs. I've, God speaks to me, encourages me through through music. I listen to, to music a, a lot, and I was. Uh, and there's this one song, and, and this is a strange band. This is a strange name for a band, but this is the name of the band. It's called Rend Collective Experiment. Have you ever heard of a band named Rend, R-E-N-D, Collective Experiment? I have no idea why they're called that, but I sure like their music. Hey, I'm going to listen to this. Uh, I'm definitely going to read it. There's no, there's no voices coming out uh, of singing, melodic voices out of this human today. But listen to this. It says, Build your, it, the name of it is Build Your Kingdom. Listen to the references to the supernatural, if you will, to this psalm. Build your kingdom here, let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets and our land. Set your church on fire, win this nation back, change the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. Unleash your kingdom's power, reaching the near and far. I like this part. No force of hell can stop your beauty-changing hearts. You made us for much more than this, awake the kingdom seed in us, fill us with strength and love of Christ, we are your church, we are the hope on earth. Especially these two phrases, let the darkness fear and no force of hell can stop your beauty changing in heart. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about uh, the devil, we're going to be talking about his, um, his minions if you will, which are called demons in the scriptures, and then more importantly, we're going to talk about uh, angels. And as I read this material in Grudem's book, i was—I um, tell you a couple things. First of all, I was very encouraged, and then uh, secondly, I was uh, instructed, and thirdly, I was surprised of how much attention he gives and really how much pragmatic attention he gives to Christians in dealing with, with demons. Can I just go on record and say, I believe that demons are alive and well. And if you have a problem believing in demonic forces, then just go to a movie today. Just go to just about any movie. Uh, especially today, the, the whole demonic supernatural is certainly in vogue. There's a proliferation of movies dealing... You know, when I was a kid growing up, it was just the Exorcist. I would never go see that. They scared the eebie-jeebies out of me. I had that girl turning her head around and around. I was like, I'm not going to go to that. I have no desire to go to stuff like that. And also, there's such a proliferation, not only in, in, in movies about the, the supernatural realm of, of demons, but how about aliens? I mean, these, these beings, I mean, they, you know, there's all, there's, our world is infatuated with the supernatural in every area except Jesus. You ever notice that? They're not as infatuated with, with him. They're like, yeah, yeah, we know the story of Jesus, but give us this, man, give us this spooky stuff. And, and on Halloween of all times, we're talking about uh, uh, demons uh, this morning. Let the darkness fear, God show your, mighty, uh, show your mighty hand. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at, first of all, angels. And you have your outline there. We're going to begin with number one, angels. And we're going to look at angelology. That's just a fancy word of saying the study of uh, these angels or angelic uh, beings. I think what's going to happen is, is you're going to be blessed and you're going to be encouraged, at least by this part of the study. Because as I, as I was studying this and I was, I was reading this, I, I saw again the, just the supernatural, awesome power of God to create. I mean, God created these creatures, these angelic beings. And, and as I read Scripture and as I study, I, I see that God created them for His glory and for our benefit. How about that? He created angels for His glory, for His worship, and also for uh, our intervention in our lives and for our uh, benefit. Mentioned 200 times... In 35 books in the Bible, you may want to jot that down. If you're ever teaching on angelology one day, you can say, a, a wise man told me one time. Make sure you're all awake out there. Uh, two. How many times is it mentioned? How many books of the Bible? 35 books of the Bible. That the word angel or reference to angels uh, are mentioned. Here's a good definition of angels according to Grudem. Page 397. Angels are created spiritual beings. That's a good way to describe them. They are created spiritual beings with moral judgment, high intelligence, but not a physical body like ours. Let me say that again. That's a good definition. They're created spiritual beings with moral judgment, high intelligence, but they don't have physical bodies at least like we do, though they can sometimes appear as humans. I I, I get that. I know that Grudem doesn't disagree with that, but he's just giving us a, a definition. Nehemiah 9 6 says, God made the heavens and all their hosts. God made the heavens and all the heavenly beings or hosts. Uh, Grudem believes that on one of the six days in the creation account before Genesis 3, God created uh, the angelic world. Why would he say we know they were created at least before Genesis 3? Anything? What's that? The fall of man, of course, which is Satan, tempting Adam Adam and Eve. Uh, others believe that they were created before the creation of the cosmos. And, and really, I found, I found two camps here. Number one, that Gruden believes they were created somewhere between day one and day six in the creation account. And I read other people say, even back up before that, because uh, again, time is irrelevant with God. God is just over time. And so, beyond time. And so, the, some people I read said, no, they are pre-cosmic, pre-cosmos, pre-created order uh, of beings. Uh, they, you, you, said, but you said they have moral judgments. I don't, I don't know about that. Yes, they do. Because the Bible says that they sinned against God. They had the capacity to, and because God cast them uh, out of heaven with, with Satan. Uh, scripture refers to them as falling from their positions and being cast into hell uh, into, into prison. Um, so those would be the fallen angels. We'll talk about them in a moment because that's more the, the demons. Uh, they, they fly, they sing. Uh, we cannot see them with our naked eye, or at least sometimes we see them and we don't even know that we're seeing them because they disguise themselves. At times in Scripture we read they take on bodily forms in their appearance to... Uh, human beings. And there are examples of this. You, as you read through Scripture in the Old and the New Testament, you'll see these created, these beings talking to people. Then later on you find out, oh, wow, uh, that, was, that was actually uh, an angel. There are two types of angels mentioned in the Bible. Some say there are three types. And I've been going back and forward in this because if you ever read one person, they believe it's this way and another person believes it that way, you just kind of scratch your head and say, Lord, you know. But here, here it is. There are Two or three classifications of angels. First of all, there's the classification of the seraphim. Uh, the seraph would be the singular. The seraphim would be the plural. And you see these angelic beings, for example, in Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter 6, where they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so the seraphim are seen. Uh, number two, or in your notes, it may be number one, cherubim. Cherub would be singular, cherubim would be the plural. Man, these guys, are all, they're everywhere. L- listen to this. They're found in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.24. They are engraved um, on the Ark of the Covenant in Exodus 25.22. And so, depending on who you read, there, there are two classifications. You have the cherubim, cherubim and, and the seraphim. But then there's this third order, if you want to classify it as a third order, they're called the living creatures. Oh, my. Oh, my. Have you read Ezekiel 1 or Ezekiel 10 or Revelation 4? These are some massive, ominous creatures. I mean, they have characteristics of, like, the animals. They have characteristics of a man. and, And so these are some fierce creatures, all right? Listen to Revelation 4:8. as the four living creatures are gathered around the throne with the 24 elders. And here it is. The four living creatures, each having six wings. Now just picture that in your mind's eye for a moment. Four creatures, six wings each, full of eyes around and within. They do not rest day or night, saying, now watch this. The cherubim are about to say this. This is the same thing that the seraphim say in Isaiah 6. And they are created beings for the glory of God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is uh, to come. Now, some classify the living creatures as a type of cherubim, okay? And I kind of lean toward this because Ezekiel 10, 20 calls the cherubim living creatures, okay? So they're almost identical. Revelation 4, those creatures there in this Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10, if you, if you compare the two, they're very, very similar. So whether it's two classifications or three, these are some amazing... Isn't God just really something? I mean, He, he created us to have fellowship with Him, and then He created these things, these angelic, powerful, powerful, ominous creatures who had moral judgment enough that they could align with uh, Lucifer, the the morning star. They aligned with him, at least, I believe, at least a third of them did, and they fell from their heavenly uh, place. Did you know that there are rank among the angels? Uh, the, The highest rank, somebody help me, would be what? The archangel. Uh, the Archangel. Anybody remember these names, or at least the name of one archangel we know for sure? It'd be Michael. That's right. Michael the archangel. Uh, he is mentioned in Daniel 10:13. Uh, he's mentioned in Jude verse nine. It says, "When the Lord returns, he will do so with the voice of the, of the archangel." At 1 our first Thessalonians 4:16. Who else is the most famous angel? Who's the only other angel given a name in the Bible besides Michael? It'd be Gabriel. Gabriel, that's correct. Gabriel. Or Gabriel. Gabriela, I guess, is the girl, feminine form of it, but it's Gabriel. Daniel 8:16. Daniel 9:21. Uh, Daniel 9:21. Gabriel actually speaks to Daniel in Luke 1:19. Gabriel is the one that talks to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, verse 19, and encourages him about the son he's going to have, John the Baptist. And then it's Gabriel who speaks to Mary in Luke 1, 26 through 38, as she will give birth to Jesus, the Son of God. Angels are not omnipresent. They can only be at one place at one time, okay? But guess what? There are a bunch of them. You know, the Bible, when the Bible describes the number of angelic beings, it, it, it's an interesting phrase. In fact, we're going to pull this up here on the screen here in Revelation 5, and I want to show you something, but Hebrews 12, 22 says they are innumerable, and then uh, Revelation 5, 11 says this, then I looked and I heard the voice of, this is the way John says, many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the... Arithmos, the numbers, where we get the English word arithmetic, and the rhythmos of them was, now watch this, this is so cool. 10,000 times 10,000. That's five English words. There are two Greek words, and guess what those words are? Myrias, myrias, where we get what English word? Myriad. In other words, the Bible is saying, dude, we can't count them all. They're just. They're numerous angelic beings and they are in the heavenlies and they're ranked. They have order. Some of them have names and and they are gathered around the throne and they are worshiping God day and night, ongoingly, perpetually. Myrias, myrias. Numerous, innumerable. What about guardian angels? As I talk about this, some of y'all are going, I didn't know the Bible I had so much to say. I didn't either. <laughs> really, I didn't know the Bible I had so much to say about, about angels. Do you believe in guardian angels? You, you, I believe in angels that guard, but you won't find in Scripture where it says you have a personal guardian angel. You, you can look for it, but you're not going to find it doesn't mean that you don't have guardian angels or that our, guard, our angels don't guard us. I'm just saying the Scripture does not say you, every one of you, has a guardian in that terminology, okay, a guardian angel. Well, do they protect us? Absolutely. Psalm 91, 11 and 12 is a real popular Scripture, especially as we pray for military troops, praying that, Well, oh, here it is, "...for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways." In their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a a stone. And so they're out there, they're for God's glory and for our benefit. I hope you take that away with you today. And, And as I took that from the Scripture, they are for God's glory, absolutely, for His praise and for His honor and for His worship. And then I keep reading these Scriptures about, they will bear you up. Uh, be, beware, you're entertaining angels unaware, and, and they assist us and they, they encourage us. They speak to people in the, in the scriptures. Jesus said in Matthew 22:30 angels do not marry, they're not given in marriage. Uh, it's kind of the way we're going to be when we're in heaven, we don't marry, we're not given in uh, marriage. Angels are very powerful, and for a time, man is made a little lower than the angels. Hebrews 2:7. But there's coming a time. 1 Corinthians 6.3, that we are going to be raised even to a higher position than the angels in the heavenlies. You know what makes us really, really different from the angels in, in heaven? What, what is the difference between the redeemed church of God and these angelic beings, anybody? The key word is redeemed. They've never known salvation. They've never known what it's like to fall under the conviction of sin and to place their trust in the Lamb of God for salvation. And when we get to heaven and we start singing praise the Lord and we're singing the one who, who saved us and changed us, the angels are going to go, they're going to look at each other and say, we can't sing that. We, we're, we never did that. We've never been redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and we're just going to be praising the Lord, and the angels are going to be looking at each other they're going to be looking at us and going that 's pretty cool <laughs> that's that's pretty, that's pretty amazing and that's that's who we are as the god's redeemed church we've been bought by the blood of the lamb they have they haven't they are these created uh, beings. What about this reference to the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament? This is a real you know I've always kind of believed, you no. Know, I've always believed this, but I didn't know maybe if some scholarly you know, theologian type would believe this. Uh, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, and when it's capitalized, A, capital A, you know there's something going on here. It's not just your ordinary, typical angel, okay? Because it's trying to tell you this, this, is, a, this is an appearance of God. Okay? And I'll show, you, I'll show you that because it's in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, talks about the angel of the Lord, and Hagar calls this angel of the Lord El Roe. says, You are the God uh, who sees. Other examples of the angel of the Lord and him interacting with people in the Old Testament, and he's and he, worshiped is Abraham, Jacob, and Moses. These are no ordinary angels. This is something going on here. I believe this, and I, I was happy, I was encouraged to see other people write about this and believe this, that this would be the second person of the Godhead in his pre- uh, human form, which would be the second person of the Godhead would would be Christ. Some people call this a Christophany. And that's what Grudem believes especially. He says this is where the Son of God takes on a human body for a short time in order to appear to human beings. End of quote. So, Check that out sometimes in your study uh, because it will, it's, it's very interesting. It's very powerful. And there are these instances. I just gave you one in the Old Testament about this angel, A, capital angel of the Lord. So what are these purposes of the angels? What do, what do they do? I've given you just a brief summary that they created for worship and created for our benefit. So number one, they show God's love for us. They're not made in the image of God. They don't have the special relationship that we do to God, but they do have a special relationship with the redeemed humanity. They serve us, but we don't serve them. Look at Hebrews 1.14. This is probably my favorite verse in the Bible talking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Now, you read the text in its context, it's very clear that the they, the antecedent for they, is referring to angelic beings. Are they not all? All? That's pretty cool, isn't it? Aren't they all sent to be ministering spirits to those of us who are uh, of the church? Um, Angels, uh, Hebrews 2.16 says, God's main concern is not with angels, but with the descendants of, of Abraham. So they, God shows his love for us, I, I believe that, especially in Hebrews 1.14, creating these, uh, these amazing uh, creatures. All right, B, they remind us that the unseen is very real. The unseen world is very, very real. Um, who was it in the Bible who said, man, we have a problem with the supernatural. We, we don't believe in... Angels and demons and resurrection and the afterlife. We have a problem with that. Do y'all remember their names? The Sadducees. That's right, you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And maybe y'all heard, like I did when I was a kid growing up, they didn't believe in the supernatural. That's why they were sad, you see. so Sad, you see. So they're Sadducees. And we see them in, let me give you a scripture, If if you're taking lots of notes, this would be Acts 23, 8. Great story is in 2 Kings 6, 17. Remember this? God opens Elisha's servant's eyes, and he saw the angelic army sent to protect uh, Elisha from the Syrians. Lord, just open his eyes and let him see. He opens his eyes and goes, oh, my land!" I think they're just covered. These supernatural, angelic spirit beings who have some kind of form to them, we, you know, not, not like us, but these massive, amazing uh, creatures. I almost called them awesome, but I can't. Uh, whenever I say awesome, I, I, just, I just stop and I just say, no, that's, that's for God, I, but these, these creatures are something. Uh, all right, let's look at number C or letter C. Angels obey God and do some of his uh, work. Um, not all the angels obey God. We, we know that, don't we? because a bunch of them were thrown down or cast down, Second Peter 2, 4, Jude 6, cast out of their place into, uh, into hell. But angels, the good ones, the good guys, obey God and do some of His work. For example, they bring messages to His people. Luke 1, 19. Let's read this on the screen. Literally bringing a message. And the angel said, answered, said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. Whew! and was sent, I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings, uh, Zechariah. Okay, so he's sent by God, stands in the presence of God, but he comes and he speaks to uh, Zechariah. Okay, i got to tell you all this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the entire uh, Bible. Um, And it's a true story, and it's recorded in two uh, places. In 2 Chronicles uh, 32 and in Isaiah 36 and 37. And and bear with me as I recreate the story, because at the end, there's this crescendo. It ends with an angel. Some say it's an angel of the Lord, like A, capital angel of the Lord. And the other translations say, no, little, little a. I don't know, but I just know something amazing happens. Okay, so here's the story. Oh, this is a good story. I've been sharing this story a lot. And we were, um, or I was in Amarillo the last three days. Y'all know what Amarillo stands for? What? Close. The guy told me. He said it's an old Indian word. It means beautiful sunset. And I, look, I mean, we we came across, we drove, I was heading toward the, uh, yeah, that thing, the Civic Center from the hotel, it was only me and the driver of the bus. Uh, guess what we talked about, by the way? <clears throat> not just the sunset. I said, do you see that sunset? Is there not a God? That's what I told him. I said, could there not? Who, who could have done that? I mean, look, just look at it. Because I mean, I was like taken back because you saw the sunset and then it just kept going and going and there was a break in the... Uh, I was just like, amazing. And this, this bus driver was like, Yes, God, God had to do that. I said, sir, you sound like a God-fearing man to me. He said, I am. 67, 68-year-old man named Buddy gave me his salvation story when he was converted. He was 19. We just had a holy, happy time right there. Now, the other bus driver, not so much. I start talking about the Lord, he'd change the subject. I'd talk about the Lord again, he'd change the subject again. And it was just me and him on the bus, all right? And so I ended up, I couldn't talk to him. You ever tried to talk to somebody who wouldn't talk? So I just finally gave him a gospel track. So I'm in this resolutions committee uh, that we had, and, and I was the chairman of this committee, and everything went well, and I'm grateful to God. That we didn't have any... It was one big Baptist business meeting, and I always get nervous with business meetings. I just get nervous because they put microphones out there. Anybody can ask me anything. They can challenge me on these... Resolutions we created about, and we, we created a lot of different resolutions, and, and some of them are a little controversial um, if you're kind of going on the extremes. Well, anyhow, I said, you know, God is with us. And let me tell you a story how I know God is with his people, and it goes like this. The Rabshakeh was the Assyrian army's his chief officer. He says around 681 BC, and he goes to Jerusalem. He looks up at the citadel. He looks up at there at the temple of Jerusalem. He has all these men around him. He goes, you guys are about to be destroyed. I am Raph I am the spokesman for the king of um, Assyria, Sennacherib. And we have come to destroy you just like we have destroyed everybody else. In fact, why don't you just go ahead and surrender now and uh, we'll just save this bloody chaos. Just give us your kingdom and uh, we will take care of you. We will deport you. We will take you back to our homeland. And uh, Hezekiah had told his men, he says, don't say nothing. Don't say anything to that guy. Okay, just, just stand there. And he comes back and he says, well, if, if Hezekiah tells you, don't listen to that guy Trust in the Lord, don't listen to Hezekiah. Because he's going to tell you, trust in God, trust in God. He goes, let me ask you something. What happened to the other people who trusted in their God? Just look. And he started naming names. What about this country? What about that country? What about this God? What about that God? He goes, we destroyed them all. We're going to destroy you. Just go ahead and give up. You've got to understand, this is the Assyrian Empire. They've already decimated, destroyed Samaria, northern kingdom of Israel. They've destroyed the world, and now they're coming to take little old Jerusalem. And I'm reading this like I've never read it before, and I I know what's going to happen, but I'm still just reading it. And Hezekiah says, and he goes, okay, God... We need you. And God, unless you do something, we are doomed. And you know what? I got to thinking about that. You know, God loves us to be in that situation. I hate to be in that situation. Can I tell you? I don't like to be in that situation because I like to be in control. And and those people stand up those microphones. I want to be able to tell each one, this is what you need to say, that you don't need to be doing that. And just a control freak kind of person, you know. And Hezekiah is going, God... Unless you do something, we are doomed. And so, this is what I want to ask you to do, God. For your name and for your glory, do what only you can do. Mm. So, the Assyrians went to sleep that night, and an angel of the Lord killed 185,000 of them just like that. They woke up the next morning, and all these corpses were lying dead on the battlefield. And God did—I don't know—he can do. If you ever get desperate, if you ever get in a place where God, this is not adding up. God, this is not a good thing. God, my marriage is not going to make it. God, my kids are not going to turn out well. God, our church is going to fold up. If you ever get in those places, just remember this: God. Sp- mm-hmm. Mm, This is early, but this is a good word. God specializes in the impossible. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus said, Yep, with man, this is impossible, but with God, help me. All things are impossible. I just thought that was interesting because in this context, it, it was an angel that God sent. Oh, and listen to this. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, guess how many angels it's going to take to come down out of heaven, bind Satan for a thousand years. Guess how many of those Mirios, myrias it's going to take. Somebody help me. How many? One. One. One angel of God comes down and says, Hey dude, you're toast. And he puts him down for a thousand years. He binds the enemy. Just, does that not tell you just a little bit about the omnipotent, awesome power of God? Mm. I told y'all studying angels would kind of pump you up. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize I was going to be so encouraged and so blessed as I studied these, these I call them creatures, but y'all know what I'm saying, these amazing creative beings. Uh, D, angels glorify God. Now this is just a recap. We've already talked about angels glorifying God. I've given you some examples. Isaiah 6, 3, where the seraphim cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." Uh, how about another time where the angels praise God? I, I gave you the cherubim in Revelation four eight. Think Christmas. Anybody help me? What what they what they see? And the angelic hosts were what praising God. Remember that they were praising God. And the angels, I mean, the shepherds were like whoa and, and shout. To the highest, the Son of God has been born. And these angels are. So you see them in Scripture. They're praising God. They're either helping us. Or in Job chapter 1, which is a really interesting text, they're in a heavenly council you know, with, with God. So. What about relationship of angels to, to humans specifically? Let, let, let's talk about this specifically. Number one, we should be aware of their presence and their activity. You say, but I can't see him. I can't see God either, but I'm very much aware that He is alive and He is real. So we should be cognizant, okay, spiritually aware of their presence and their activity. Hebrews 12, 23 should encourage us that believers who have died and angels, they worship Jesus just like we do. Heard a great message from Mac Brunson about this a couple of days ago about how we, in Hebrews chapter 12, he's encouraging us. He goes, listen guys, you keep worshiping God, keep serving God because the people who've gone before you, the spirits of the saints gone before you, and all the angelic hosts, they are worshiping the same God that they see in heaven, but you're worshiping Him here on earth even though you can't see Him. Be encouraged by that. These angelic beings can be in our midst here on earth And we can entertain them, as Scripture says, even unaware. You remember that? I think it's Hebrews 13, 2, where it says, you know, be careful because some have entertained angels unawares. What does that mean? What does unawares mean? They didn't know it. That's right. They they didn't didn't realize. That kind of gets me. That verse, because I'm like, you all ever done that? That might have been an angel. (laughs) Am I I crazy? Or do you all ever do this? That might have been an angel because... You know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it could. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't because you entertain them unaware. They can be sent by God to intervene on our behalf and bring us protection. Uh, think about Daniel 6, 22. Daniel's in the den of what? Den of lions. And it was an angel of the Lord who came and closed, closed their mouths. All right. Uh, Peter in Acts chapter 12. They're praying, oh, God, deliver Peter from prison. Oh, God, deliver Peter from prison. And an angel of the Lord came and took Peter right, right out of prison. And they ministered to Jesus. Remember in Matthew four eleven, after 40 days of temptation, the Bible says the angels came and ministered to him. I don't know what they did. I don't know how they ministered to him, but it says they ministered to him. Um, now, the next two stories I'm going to tell you are a little, they're a little out there, okay? This might stretch you a little bit. But I'm not going to tell them unless I believe them. And I believe these stories. One of them happened to my own son. And another one happened. It's like, wow. So we're on vacation. And Layton is probably, he's little. He's young. Okay, this would have been um, 2005. Right? No, 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 no. 2003. 2003, 10 years ago. We went to the Southern Baptist Convention and then we took the kids and some folks from our church uh, flew out and met us and we went to the Grand Canyon, went to uh, Las Vegas. I have no reason why we went to Las Vegas, but it was to play golf, play golf, watch some shows, some blue man things, whatever shows. And we did something, else. ooh, the Hoover Dam. And so we and, and we would drive and we'd say, well, that looks cool. Let's stop and look at that. So we looked at this place called Slippery Rock something or another. Maybe y'all been there. <clears throat> You put your bathing suit on and you go sliding down this rock and you about freeze yourself to death. You just plunge into this water and you just like, it just freezes you. <clears throat> well, Leighton, he tells us, he goes sliding down this rock and, he, and he's trapped. He couldn't get out. Nobody knows this except him. And this guy, this guy looks at him and <laughs> reaches down and pulls him out. Can't find him, don't know who he is, never seen him before. You know, Leighton's like, I don't know who this guy was, but he, he saved my life. Leighton tells us later on in his life, a few years later, he saw that guy again. He saw him. And I'm like, it makes me question what I said about guardian angels a moment ago. I mean, do, do we have a guardian angel? I, I don't know. Scripture doesn't say specifically. Everybody in here, you have a guardian angel. And then recently, this happened, a true story um, in USA Today, it tells <clears throat> about this young college student. She is on her way back to college on a Sunday morning in Missouri to go to church. She's going to get her buddies, and she's going to go to church. She's driving her Mercedes. And it's early morning, and this drunk driver comes and hits her, and you know you know the rest of the story. I mean, she is a mess. She is in a mangled ball of steel and metal, and she is literally in there, broken femurs, broken tibia, fibula. I mean, her legs are shattered. I mean, she, she is in a in a terrible way. Seventy pictures are taken at the scene of this of this accident. She's a Tulane University student, Katie Lintz. Rescue team, they come and they say uh, they work for forty five minutes. They say we can't we can't do anything. We can't get you. We can't extract you. And then they said, if we don't, then somebody said, if we don't get her out quick, she's going to die. She, she she's hopeless. And this guy walks up, priest, these little, what do you call them, little thing, collar things? Yeah, I'm glad y'all don't make me wear that. Thank y'all, by the way, I appreciate that. And he comes in and she goes, oh, would somebody pray for me, somebody pray for me. And this priest guy says, I will be glad to pray for you. And they look at him and they're like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Oh, he's the Catholic priest in the local um, parish. No, he wasn't. Okay, he wasn't. He shows up, and uh, he said, everything's going to be okay. And he prays for her. And as soon as he finishes praying, all of a sudden, this other ambulance and rescue workers, they come, and they have just the right extraction materials. They extract her. They pull her out, saves her life, and they say, man, let's go thank that priest because he helped us all. They couldn't find him. Seventy photos they took, and not one photo shows, shows that guy. Now, these rescue workers, I need some salty guys. You know what I'm saying? There's some, some rescue workers. And they said this. Um, one of them said, We all go back to thank this priest and he's gone. I have 69 photographs that were taken from minutes after the accident happened. Bystanders, the extrication, our final cleanup. And he's not in any of them. All we wanted to do was to say thank you. Was it an angel? It just might have been. Have any problems with that? I don't have any problems with that whatsoever. Some of y'all say, Well, that's just a big coincidence. I just have to say, You're right, that was a big, (laughs) mighty, prodigious coincidence. Couldn't thank him, he was he was he just he just banished. So, we ought to be aware of them and their presence and their activity among us. Uh, Number two, we are not, however, to worship them nor are we to pray or seek seek them out. Uh, The Bible says in Revelation 19.10, the angel tells John, do not worship me. Don't worship me, only worship God. And I can see where John would be tempted to because this is a supernatural, incredible being, you know, and John's like, oh, goodness, and he says, no, no, don't worship me. Dr. Grudem says, page 407, there is no example in Scripture of anyone praying to any specific angel or asking angels for help, end of quote. But then he says, it's perfectly okay to ask God to send or dispatch those creatures to help us, okay? Uh, Hebrews uh, 1.14, uh, I think it's Hebrews one fourteen. yeah, there it is. Are they not all, we saw this earlier, ministering spirits sent forth to minister to us, to those of us who will inherit Uh, salvation. Man, I hate to leave this subject, especially for the next subject. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to talk about them. I don't like them. They don't like me. Uh, But I need to talk about them because Scripture talks a lot about demons. You say, how much is a lot? Sitting next to the pastor in 1st Pflugerville, and I like that guy, Steve Washburn. I said, you know, it's sad we had to come all the way to Amarillo to become buddies. I mean, we ate a bunch of meals together. We just hung out with each other. And I like this guy. Uh, Steve Washburn's his name. He said, um, I told him, I said, how did, how did we bring this up? Oh, he said, I preached on about Halloween on Sunday, you know, about demons. I said, really? I said, I'm talking about that Thursday in my class. He said, did you know that demons are mentioned 63 times in the Bible? I said, what? He said, yeah. I said, how many? He said, 63 times. Now, most of those would be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because demons are very prevalent in the New Testament era. And so I I just got to ask this question. If they were so prevalent in Jesus' day, why are they so extinct in our day? Well, here's the answer. They're not extinct. They are very, very real. And I beg to differ if you say this is a coincidence. When a man goes into a school and shoots 26 babies, kids, I submit to you that individual is absolutely, completely full of demons. If some guy goes in and he just says, I'm going to just blow this place. I'm gonna sh- Let me tell you something, guys. Demons are real. Yeah, people say, well, yeah, but those are people who were, they were already mentally unstable and, and uh, they had been playing a bunch of video games. And by the way, have y'all heard about this? A lot of these guys that go do these mass murders and stuff had, had been deeply immersed in, in these video games. I'm talking about video games, guys my age. You know. Y'all don't know about these games. Um, but these games are un. Unbelievably horrific, demonic, satanic, and full of sex. I mean, they, and, and a lot of you guys, I say not maybe you guys, but a lot of Christian guys are buying these and giving them to their kids, and they're not even watching them. So one of our resolutions, if I get in trouble, y'all just stand by me, all right? Because I might get in trouble for this one. We called them out in a resolution and said, we're speaking on behalf of Southern Baptists of Texas, and we started calling out names. And say, we don't, we're not with this, we're against this, this Grand Theft Auto 5, don't buy it. Don't have anything to do with it because it's, it's not of God. And so you, you get these guys, they're a little unstable anyhow. You know what the average age of a man, a, a boy, man, who plays video games? 38! 38, 38 years of age. I'm like, what? In the, don't you have a job? You know, don't, and y'all seen those commercials with a girlfriend going, oh yeah, you nitwit, come spend time with me. And he's like... He's just like playing. Y'all know what I think about video games today. I'm just not, I'm not good. Not good with anything absorbing my mind like that. I believe that the devil is real. He is real and he has his minions and they possess people. They persecute us. And uh, they're very much more prominent than, than, what we, than what we realize. If you don't believe this is true, go overseas and talk to some of our Southern Baptist missionaries. I say, come here, let me talk to you just a minute, all right? and talk about talking to them, talk about exorcism in a biblical way and dealing with them. Closest I came on a mission trip dealing with them, I'll tell you about it sometime. They're just real. Okay? They're just really, really real. And the people who don't believe it, that they're real, then they have fallen prey to one of their major tactics, which is deception. Okay? So let's talk about these creatures. Ugh, I don't even really like to talk about them. The origin of demons. Uh, Grudem says in his book he believes... Uh, demons are referred to in Second Peter 2, Jude 6, uh, with, when God cast them out of heaven. You can, you can read those texts. Uh, it could refer to Genesis 6 where the sons of God had you know, cohabitated with the sons of, sons of men. And there's some debate there of, of, of what that is. And I think I've actually preached on this, talked to you all about it. And I don't know, the more I study, the more I may have changed my mind about, about some of this. But <clears throat> anyhow... Uh, it, it, Dr. Grudem says, well, we know they were created before Genesis 3, and we know initially when they were created, they were good. Why would he say that? Because God, every, after God created something, He always said it was what? Good. Except for us, and He said it was what? Sir, so, That's good. <laughs> he looked at us and goes, man, that's, that's very good my people, in my image. Satan... Tempts Adam and Eve, we see that, first of all, in, in Genesis 3. So we know in that serpent, something, there had to be the fall, whether it's pre-cosmic or some one of those days, six days. So Grudem says, Therefore, sometime between the events of Genesis 1.31 and Genesis 3.1, there must have been a rebellion in the angelic world with many angels turning against God and becoming evil. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, I'll read this text to you. I believe this is a reference to these fallen angels. And he, was he calls him out, he says, How are you fallen? How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart... Now, here it is. This is what his undoing. I will ascend into heaven. I... I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest uh, sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall, the Scripture says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Uh, I believe that's a reference to the fall of Satan and uh, the fall of his, uh, the third of the angels, Ezekiel twenty-eight. I don't have time for that one, but that's a, a, It sounds very similar to Isaiah fourteen, uh, Revelation twelve four is an interesting text because it says when the dragon fell, so it's and it's a, allusion to Satan. When the dragon fell, his tail drew. Anybody remember this? His tail drew how many? A third, a third of the stars of heaven. I think this could be a reference to the fall of Satan and the angels falling. It's interesting in Isaiah 14. I, 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 me, 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 me. It's all about me. And God, I'm, I want to get the same glory and even have more glory than you. And I'll tell you what, God says, no, you're not. Because I will not share my glory. Help me. With anybody, all right? And I think when we, even as God's children, when we fall into that demonic realm of self-promotion and all about me, we're more like Satan than we are Jesus. That's not a good place to be either. And God, I know God's not going to cast us out, if you will, lose your salvation, I don't believe that at all, but I believe God will put the spank on us, put the hurting on us because we're his children if we get this inflated, egotistical... You know, God, you're very blessed to have me. (laughs) It's just like this. I am so amazing. And God's like, no, I'm not not good with that. Because that's more satanic than it is Christ-like. All right, let's talk about it for just a minute. Satan is the head of the demons. We see him in appearance um, in Job 1.6. He appears uh, before the Lord with the sons of God, which I believe that is angels. And his name literally means, And Satan appears, his name literally means adversary. Can I get an amen from that? Is he not an amazing, formidable adversary who genuinely hates God and hates anything that reflects or resembles God, i.e. us? Um, God's adversary and the people's adversary. He's called by other titles in the Bible. Have you heard these? Devil, Matthew 4, 1, serpent. Genesis three one, Beelzebub, um, Prince of the uh, of, of the end, one of the princes of the enemy, Matthew ten, twenty-five. The ruler of this world, John twelve, thirty one. Come on now. The prince of the power of the air in Ephesians two, 2. and then literally just called the evil one in Matthew thirteen nineteen. One of these guys on Survivor. I watch Survivor. I've been watching it for about 30 years now, I guess it is. I told my family I was going to go on it last year. And uh, if, I, if, I, if I do, y'all, y'all bear with me, because I'd get kicked out real quick. I mean, I, I know I would. If I, get, if I make it, I'm almost 50 years old. I think I can still do this. And they'd vote me off very quick. But I watch, I'm just intrigued with it. I just kind of watch, I tape it. And I fast through the commercials. So I, I, I'm just intrigued with people. I just like studying people. And there's this guy on there, this tall drink of water, nitwit. He, he's like, I, I don't have no time for God. I don't believe in any of that. He goes, but I believe in magic. <laughs> I said, you what? He said, I don't believe in God. I said, but I believe in magic. You know, I was like, I'd like to interview him. I said, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? You, know, you believe in the supernatural, but you don't, believe, you don't believe in God. All right, let's talk about this creature, the uh, activity of Satan and his demons. Ugh. Number one, Satan was the originator of sin and a murderer from the beginning. He is the father of lies, created as a brilliant angel, but chose rebellion in the beginning of the world, and has been lying and deceiving ever since. Uh, John 8 44. Mm, boy, Jesus knew he was real. L- listen to this. You, are <laughs> talking about the religious people, my <laughs> word, you're of the f- your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. That's the king of kings, Jesus, giving us a great description of the adversary of our soul, uh, Satan. Let um, Let me give you one more and then we'll stop. Number two, I think it's in your notes, isn't it? Demons oppose every work of God. Can I say, every work of God he opposes. He tempts Eve in Genesis 3, Jesus in Matthew 4, deception in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He blinds the eyes of those who would hear the gospel lest they be saved. Uh, They will use every form of temptation and sin to make believers stumble hinder us from sharing the gospel whether it's through fear, doubt, pride, whatever it is. We have a great God and we have a formidable foe uh, in the in the enemy. <sighs> I don't even like talking about him, I just be honest with you. You know, I talk I talk to him a lot, by the way. I just uh, just you know, I rebuke you and Jesus, you know, take take care of, of him for me. So, It's 7.41, and we're going to stop and just see if you have any comments or any questions about our our lesson today. And we'll wrap this session up next week. I think we've got just a few more. We'll take a break uh, for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then we'll dive back in in January. Check this out. We're going to go from January, February, March, April. We're going to do ten more studies while simultaneously going through the book of Revelation. It's going to be a fun spring. And by the way, I'm not going to finish Revelation in a spring. Maybe two or three springs, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. That's, that's going to be fun. Wouldn't it be awesome? We're studying Revelation and Jesus comes. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> he said, man, I appreciate y'all studying that. Come on up. Woo. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay. Any questions or comments before you get back on these slippery roads? Misha. Yes. I don't think he's going to create any more. I, I don't. I think she, her question is, are there ever going to be any more you know, new ones? I, I think is what you're asking, creative ones. And I said, no. I, you know, I was reading this Greek again yesterday, and I was just like, Myrias, Myrias, 10,000 times 10,000. It, it's kind of, I don't want to say infinity, because they have a number, but it's kind of like they're innumerable. We, we just could never count them all ourselves, so. Fascinating study. anybody Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, Hannah. They the demons? They, they, are the demons. they are the demons. Yeah. Yeah. So that tells you a little bit about their power, because we all know how powerful angels angels are. And so these, you know, and we'll get into this next week about them oppressing us. I don't believe they can possess us. How can they possess us if the Holy Spirit possesses us? You know what I'm saying? And so, yes, Mildred? Yeah, we're trying. We put it in one of our resolutions, um, encouraging parents. It's kind of like a protest. Just don't buy them, you know. Part of the resolution, the attorney, he's from Odessa, he helped us write it. He said, um, (laughs) he had a little caveat in there, and it was saying, and I know, parents, y'all struggle with this uh, because you, you want to give good things to your kids. But we just ask that you don't. Well, he missed our last meeting. We met, for, we met for a whole day up in Grapevine. Then we met for a number of hours in Amarillo. He wasn't there. We took that softness out. <laughs> we just said, we're not going to worry about parents struggling with it. We're just saying, parents, just don't buy it. Just, just don't even get it, you know, for them. So, yeah, we, we did Anything else? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he does. He said I would have been here earlier, but I got detained and had a little fisticuff. Oh, what? Whew, what did that look like? You know, in in the heavenlies? In the? I think it would blow our minds. If we could just peer a little bit in what's going on right now. I mean, just just what's going on, even around these premises. And in this city, which the enemy has a strong grip on the city of Austin. I mean, he, he really does. And, uh, but you know what? God's amazed. God's got his people. One of his peoples is us. And here we are, this radiant church, preaching the gospel, standing for truth and love, and poking... Mm! Poking holes in the darkness. That's that's what we do. That, that's who Great Great Hills uh, is. Somebody else had a question. Yes, sir. Uh, we were was there in I don't know. That's a good that's a good question. But you know, it's somehow. And the genius of God in creating those beings and Satan, they had the capacity to do it. And they chose it. And they chose it. We know that for a fact because they fell and they sinned. And then they start, or he starts tempting us to sin. You know, God cannot be tempted with evil. God has nothing to do with evil. Satan does, and we certainly do. You know, after about a billion years, you just worshiping the Lamb. Ralph, you may want to say... God, can you explain that one to me? He goes, Where did that even come from? Kind of capacity thing. And one of the preachers was talking about it in, the, in the sermons. He said, these people come up to me and they say, Yeah, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask God more. This preacher went off. I think it was Mac Brunson. He said, Excuse me. When you get to heaven, you're gonna fall on your face and you're not even gonna be able to speak. This idea, of, well, God, let me ask you a couple of things. What happened around here? He said, Whoo, son. It was Mac Brunson out of Jacksonville, Florida. He said, Excuse me. You won't even be able to speak. You'll just be uh, prostrate before, before the king. So that's why I told Ralph, after a billion years, maybe, maybe we'll come around to saying, God, help me a little bit with this. And here's what's so amazing. is God's going to say, absolutely. Here's how that happened. Let me explain to you the Trinity for a second. Let me explain to you the, the humanity and the deity and the Son of God and how all of that happened. Those are the two big ones I want to... I'm almost tempted. Timid to raise my hand because it's not like I question it. I just don't understand it completely. Is that okay to say that? I, just, I don't understand that. And you know what? I don't have to understand it. I just believe it.